Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And uh, Nate and Aaron are here with you in the classic edition of the show. And uh, today we've got, that I know of, two things going on. Uh, We are going to talk about um, a pay-per-view from the the dark days of the WWE. In Your House 5 from December of 1995. And... I have a list of five gimmick versus gimmick scenarios. Which gimmick is better? Same guy, different gimmicks. We're going to discuss which which one they did, which one we liked the best of the gimmicks that these guys did. And uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add to the show today? Nope. Or, all right, we're good then. All right. That being said, I'll just get your uh, your opinion here real quick. It's, it is a classic wrestling topic. What do you think? Finally, the Honky Tonk Man is going into the Hall of Fame. I'm down with it. Me too. I agree with it. I am. I, I am I very. Issue with it. I am very happy with it. Actually, the guy should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. You know, people but can say what also, they. Also, it it's, it wasn't just the WWE though. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the WWE not wanting to put him in there. Right? He was always saying like you know. <clears throat> tell him to go fuck themselves or whatever <laughs> he it's funny because he's he's to, to a lot of people he's a polarizing figure i i personally thought the gimmick was very entertaining and you know the people that like dog out wwe for having him as the intercontinental champion that guy did so much for that title because he did exactly what you're supposed to do he acted like that title was the most important thing in the world to him yeah and- you know and that's that's so much more than you can say for a lot of guys that have held titles since then. I mean, even even a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock throwing the belt in a river. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. And and he was what he was a heel champion, you know. Yeah. And he'd go out there and he'd look foolish, but then he'd just talk about how he's the greatest thing in the world. And he's he was over. Like people yeah. people, and people hated him. <laughs> and they were supposed to. But yeah, I say kudos. Like, you know, you know, you know, you could almost equate it to, and it's a different title, and it's a different era. Hmm. But if you wanted to explain it to somebody that might not know, like you know, about what the Honky Tonk Man was like or whatever, right? The Honky Tonk Man's Intercontinental reign has a lot of parallels 
to the world title to like the the WWF title reign of JBL. Yeah, that's true. Like, there's no reason this guy should have been champion for like <laughs> and, a year and a half. And every, and every time, every time the match is over, he's like running out. <laughs> yeah, he's Run. all disheveled and fucked up. But somehow he's the champion, running away with his slick manager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the great honky top man moments is at WrestleMania three when that one little group of people is like pelting him and Jimmy with drinks and hot dogs and shit. That's <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm I I'm all for it too, and it's a funny it's funny it's a funny class. I think it's gonna be a funny class this year. Like when they showed the graphic of the Hall of Fame, and it was like DX and then a honky tonk man's next to him. Yeah, and apparently Brutus Beefcake and Tori Wilson. That's what I heard. <laughs> I heard that they're they're possibilities too. There. I'd say I got no problem with mine seeing Tori Wilson. <laughs> and you can say what you want about Beefcake. Yeah, but at his at, at his time in that time, that dude was it fucking was, over. It was over. I'm not saying he wasn't. I mean, he was shitty yeah. <laughs> overall, but he was over like Rover. <laughs> and now he's gonna have his big puffy cocaine face. <laughs> there's not a lot of there's not like a lot of celebrities that I follow on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like like creepy wise, like I don't want to say creepy wise, but like I I follow Tori Wilson on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a I'm a Tory Wilson fan, <laughs> but then sometimes I think I don't know if I want to follow Tory Wilson on Facebook, because sometimes like she'll put a picture up, and I'm like, oh, look at Tory Wilson's picture. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and every once in a while, you're like, huh, I wonder what people are commenting. Then you start reading it, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> you people are scum. <laughs> like some people will be like. You look really nice, Tori. And it starts out okay. Like, mm. very lovely picture, Tori. You look beautiful today, Tori. Yeah, and you feel kind of bad for these guys because they have no lives. Yeah. Then you scroll down a little bit more <laughs> and they're like, I better shit in my mouth. <laughs> I was about whoa. to say, the next one is like, I want to tongue punch your fart box, Tori. Yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> it escalated quickly. And then you get into like these foreign guys. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to write English. That think because she's they follow her on Facebook, she actually knows who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Like they... Hello, Miss Tori. You are the most beautifulest woman. Yeah, and they try to like, <laughs> say things. Uh, I want to make it. I want to make it a fuck with you. Like, oh. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> you need pepper sprayed, Mister. <laughs> yeah. Raphael Galupatus or whatever his name is <laughs> from Malaysia. Yeah. Well, we're gonna talk about. Uh, <laughs> no segue. Sorry. <laughs> we're gonna talk about. Uh, a pay-per-view from the WWE in 1995. Now, we are 90s wrestling fans. So some wrestling fans at this point, because of how... I mean, 1995 is almost ignored. Um, may not even have a clue what was going on in the WWE in 1995. But we do. So, But we're going to talk about... It's In Your House... Five, I believe the subtitle is Beatings. Seasons Beatings. You say the dark time of the WWF. This was a good show. It was a good show, actually. And, and I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm not, not a fan of 95 wrestling, but in the grand scheme of business, 
95 was a tough year for yeah. WWE as a company. Um, I think I, the event took place December 17th, 95 at the Hershey Park Arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And um, the opening match. Whoa, whoa. No, go ahead. The opening of this show, and this was a very um, novel concept, and I know they tried it once, but it never worked. They opened it up with Pyro and an excited announcer. (laughs) Can you believe it? Can't believe it. No cold open, just going, welcome to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Roll now sounds like it's being broadcast on NPR. <laughs> yeah, the, the announcing is pretty shitty anymore on Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown actually is worse. SmackDown's worse because it doesn't have Michael Cole. And, you know, I hate to see... I don't, I don't, people can say what they want about Michael Cole. When Michael Cole wants to be good, he's really good. Yeah. And there are times that he makes the commentary on Raw almost bearable. But uh, I'm not a fan of that Tom Phillips cat. Um, You know I hate Byron Saxton. Yeah. And I know Corey Graves is more over with you than he is with me. I just, he doesn't impress me. I mean, I don't know. I just, they, overall, I'm not a fan of that SmackDown broadcast team at all. And uh, Michael Cole, like I said, he brings brings something to the WWE Raw team. And Renee Young is actually not as good as I was hoping she would be. No, and I she's kind, of, she's kind of shrilling. I don't know. I kind of enjoy Corey. I like Corey Graves is the guy that if they stopped overproducing the commentators, I think would be a lot better. What he is? Well, yeah, I agree because he was he was really good in NXT. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so the guy has talent. He's just not allowed to use it. Right. But that was that was something like you know I just wanted to point out. That you know, Vince McMahon screaming, welcoming, yes. welcoming us to this amazing it's, show. No matter, no matter, sports. no matter how small a show it is, it's an amazing show. Yes, that's one thing about Vince is everything. When he was a commentator, you got to give him credit for that. Everything was a big. Everything he made everything sound like a big deal. Yep. You know, and yeah. So the opening match. With after the little snowball effects on the screen, um, it was it was uh, one to me personally one of the oddest teams ever, Sid and the One Two Three Kid against Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty. I know Razor and Marty was a weird team, right? <laughs> Sid and Kid. You know what my no. biggest. You know what my no. big. Oh, go ahead. I put on my notes that Sid and Kid should have been used more together. The, I liked Sid and Kid. I I I I didn't dislike them. I just it's an and, and my biggest thing about the corporation thing, and I didn't like it about the one two three kid. Uh, mo- most of the guys that went into the corporation, it it always sucked to me 
that because I was always excited when somebody would join the corporation that maybe they'd actually change their shit up a little bit. You know, that's what I have in my notes too. Like the one two three kid bad guy one two three kid looked the same as good guy one two three. Yeah, kid. that's what they had. The, he yeah he had the Tatanka syndrome. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Just like Tatanka, like they didn't they didn't change anything about like, him. Like that's what I was saying. Like the sitting kid thing could have been cool if like. One two three kid go to like started wearing like you know a suit and he's got like his big old bodyguard like <laughs> yeah de- like Sid with him you know mm-hmm. and it, it would have worked maybe but... maybe slick his hair back and they should have changed his name yeah you know just made him be like I'm I mean you don't even have to say Sean Waltman but just as an example say I'm not I'm not a kid anymore I'm Sean Waltman or whatever you want to call him. You know. I would have called him the million dollar kid. <laughs> the million dollar kid. Hey, it makes sense. Or million, do- million dollar baby. <laughs> yeah, million dollar kid. Because he's with, you know, the yeah. million dollar man. Here's my kid over here. <laughs> it would have worked. The match itself. Oh, another note that I made. You know, did you ever notice in the, I don't know, in the In Your House era, one of the things Vince liked to do for the In Your House pay-per-views was team Razor Ramon up with his newest buddy of the week? Yeah, like he'd team up with Savio, or he'd team up with Marty, or you know, he just his or one, two, three. He'd just team up with whoever his little buddy was that month at the In Your House pay per views. He's usually in a tag team match of some kind. Yeah, and I know he was never the WWF champion, and I think he could have been, but Razor Ramon, like the whole time he was there, was over as fuck. Yep. Like I think Razor Ramon was more over than Kevin was more over than Diesel. I do too, and well, and I mean, if not for his substance abuse issues and the way they affected his career, I think that had Scott Hall stayed in a good state of mind, and I'm not saying he wasn't great, and I'm not saying he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but I think Scott Hall could have been at that echelon of like Shawn Michaels in his career. He was that good. Like that guy was good. Like it, during the time of the click, he was actually the leader. You know, he was actually the veteran. He was the guy that was teaching the rest of them, the little nuances of the business. And, and if you listen to any of those guys talk, including Shawn Michaels and triple H, who don't like to put anybody over, but themselves, they'll tell you that they learned more from razor than he learned from them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the guy had a great mind for the business and was a natural talent. And, you know, he was, he was good looking. He was, he could talk. He, I mean, that guy was everything a pro wrestler should be. If it just wasn't for his demons, I think his career could have been, we may, we may have much different conversations about Scott Hall. I don't kind of have the same note as uh, Mario Gennetti that I wish he wasn't a junkie. Yeah. (laughs) Because he was like really good and did some crazy good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that hurt Marty, well, I mean, okay, if Marty wouldn't have hurt himself by, the only thing that may have, have, have hurt Marty a little bit was he wasn't great on the mic. But, I mean, you can cover that up, you know, somehow, yeah. some way. And, yeah, I I agree, I agree. And they were a good team in this match, and this was actually a really good tag match. But it ended out of nowhere. Yeah, and Sid and... Like I, I almost went, I, I rewound it because I wanted to go back to see if there was something I missed. Like did Sid get hurt or something? Because it just seemed like they were like done. Yeah. 
Like they went home when they weren't supposed to or something. I don't know. But how many uh, Jeff Farmer yeps did you give that match? Well, I, I, I just put that it was a decent opener. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like two yeps. And Goldust was out in the crowd. Yes. So I have to ask this question. Um, what's your favorite Goldust? Movie star Goldust? Babyface Goldust? Pervert Goldust? <laughs> Or comedy face gold dust. Oh, it's tough. I. It's almost a tie for me, because I like original gold dust, and then I like comedy baby face gold dust. Like I like I like Booker T and Gold Dust Gold Dust the best. I think. I like comedy gold dust. Yeah. I was a fan of pervert gold dust. <laughs> I will not eat green eggs and ham. Yeah. I will not will not stand my ham. <laughs> like that oil on him or whatever when he's in that wheelchair. He's like, whoa! <laughs> uh, shit, yeah. I guess shit with him and Luna was just insane that was like it was like okay this is this entire thing is Vince Rousseau like no there's no Vince McMahon edit on this one this thing is off the rails and it's amazing (laughs) the next note I have unless you had anything else on that segment nope the next note that I have is this pay-per-view features the worst ring announcer ever Oh yeah, I have that on my notes. <laughs> who who picked that guy? Like <laughs> the announcer announces Buddy Rondell. Buddy Rondell, <laughs> and then Vince McMahon says on camera, "What is he talking about?" No, I think he has no idea what's going on down there. <laughs> or to that extent, no. He says, "Sorry, I wrote it down." I think he has no idea what what he's doing out there. Is what he says. <laughs> Like he's not even supposed to be Ladies and gentlemen, Buddy from whatever Tennessee, the nature boy, Buddy Randell. And then <laughs> the man says, I think he has no idea what he's doing out there. Like like in in the great... He wasn't even supposed to be introducing that <laughs> yeah, match. Yet. He wasn't even supposed to he wasn't even supposed to be introducing Landell. <laughs> oh, he was supposed to be introducing Jerry Lawler. <laughs> And then Vince McMahon's like, oh, Jerry Lawler's confusing everybody out here. When he said that, I don't even think he knows what he's doing out there. Like, Vince McMahon wasn't commentating. He no. was, like, talking to Bruce Prichard. <laughs> you know, <but> like... <laughs> it's funny because... So, it's so this whole thing just starts horrible. The, this, whole, this whole entire, like... 12 minute segment is a clusterfuck. It's just, it's just a clusterfuck. It's written on the notes. This is a clusterfuck. <laughs> Lawler comes out and he's calling them idiots and morons, and that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Then they introduce Jarrett, and Jarrett actually gets a pop. Like, people are like at first excited to see Jeff Jarrett. And then it's just all downhill even more. Jarrett tells us about his new album, Greater Than Great. Which Jerry Lawler even fucks that up. I didn't know. Because Jerry Lawler's at the beginning of it, he's like, he's like, you used to, you had Ain't I Great, now you're greater than great. And now here's your CD for Ain't I Great. And then Jeff Jarrett's like, and you kind of let the cat out of the bag. I'm bringing out a new album, Greater Than Great. He's like, what the fuck is going on? And here's Buddy Rondell. (laughs) And then... It's like they said his album was from Red Eye Entertainment. It's like this segment is from Brown Eye Entertainment. 
Jesus fucking good, Christ. Good thing we're in the Hershey Park. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, God. <laughs> and then all of this is has nothing to do with the two guys that are supposed to be in the next match. Yes. Because then Dean Douglas comes out and What's he it? introduces Buddy Landau not, properly. Not to not to mention, first of all, he's carrying around his <clears throat> board of education, and he introduces B O R E D, and he is uh, introducing the graduate student, who, I mean, what... probably never graduated. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the funniest thing about that. It, it, everything about this segment's funny, but the funniest thing about that is, like, he's introducing Buddy Rondell, sorry, folks, it's Buddy Landell, as his <laughs> graduate student, and there's this whole thing, and you think it's like this gimmick, but when Buddy Landell comes out, he's just in his nature boy robe. Like, he yeah. doesn't, there's nothing, there's nothing graduate student like, about why him. Why is he even there? <laughs> they could have used anybody. Yeah. Because all that was going to happen was Ahmed Johnson was going to come out and beat them in a minute. Yeah, they could have used anybody, but they used any buddy. <laughs> Rondell. I also wrote that Brutus Beefcake in WCW was the man with no name. Mm-hmm. Well, this pay-per-view, Buddy was the man with two names. <laughs> He's an overachiever. Yeah. Yeah, so then Buddy Randall, and he didn't get <laughs> like that is the biggest. I think that might be the biggest on-screen fuck up in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> and the best part is, the guy did it like right in front of his. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was looking at Vince McMahon. Yeah, like Vince McMahon is looking at him, and he's looking at Vince McMahon, and now he's got to go back down and kind of sit next to Vince. <laughs> Get get that look for like twenty minutes. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yep, totally off the rails. He was so proud of himself. He was like the graduate student, Buddy Randell. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know that guy's name. I don't, I don't either. And I tried to look it up on Wikipedia, and it said unknown. Mm. Ring announcer unknown, and. Rightfully so. Yeah, and like he wasn't even supposed to be like in the in the whole show. He wasn't even supposed to be introducing Buddy Landau. You know I mean, I could understand if he was supposed to be the guy that introduced him. That's the biggest. And thing. It, it just got this segment mixed up or whatever. But it's like, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's one of the, it's it's one of the big the big fuck ups in wrestling history, and it doesn't get attention again because it's from '95, so nobody ever talks about it. But it's been in my mind since it happened. Like when I when you said we're gonna watch In Your House Five, the first thing I thought in my head was Buddy Rondell. Yeah. <laughs> and then Buddy Rondell has a match with Ahmed Johnson, and it is utter garbage. And Ahmed Johnson's promo is almost as intelligent as this guy's Buddy Rondell. And, and oh God, nothing like an Ahmed Johnson promo. Yeah. So Lawler interviews the. I don't remember. So uh, Lawler, Lawler walks up to the big Johnson and he's going <laughs> to interview him. And uh, Jared goes ahead and beats the big Johnson over <laughs> and over and over until the big Johnson comes. 
back and explodes all over Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> who runs away in terror. And all of this is very awkward because they're doing it at ringside. So it's like in between the ring and the the guardrail and near yeah. the table. So they don't have like a lot of room to move around. So it's just very awkward. This entire thing, from the minute that guy says "Buddy Rondell" until the end of it, is just one of the most awkward mo- segments in pay per view history. It's terrible. It's garbage. <laughs> like I don't think any of that went down the way Vince McMahon envisioned it in his head. No. <laughs> like, he's like, "This is the worst fucking shit." This is fucking garbage. <laughs> And it all started with that guy going, <laughs> the nature boy, buddy, Randell. <laughs> Those people were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so then we see... Like, that guy would have got to the back and I would have been like, you're the fired. Night, been like, you owe me money. <laughs> you're fucking fired. You really... And you owe me money. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. Go ahead. So then we see that Razor Ramon is on the superstar line. Yes. And uh, talking to fans, and he gets delivered a letter from Goldust. Or a dick pic, we're not sure. And then, so begins the gay-bashing Razor Ramon character. (laughs) (laughs) Because essentially, that was kind of, you know... Like, it's so funny, because... The character of Goldust was supposed to be androgynous, and they 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 were excited that they were going to be presenting to us, you know, like they they in PR stuff at the time. The WWF was like, "We are presenting the first gay, openly gay wrestler." You know, this is this is a sign of the times. We're 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 breaking ground, but unfortunately. In Vince McMahon's mind, the way to present that openly gay wrestler was to make him extremely flamboyant and make him a heel and make you want to watch the macho guy beat him up. So the story is... It, it's it's actually terrible. When <laughs> you really break it down, it's actually like, wow. You were, you were really going to do like a gay bashing story. And they kind of sort of did it till Scott Hall flunked a drug test he says he didn't want to do it because of the the he didn't want his kids to see blah blah blah. i don't think that's it i think it was just because he flunked a drug test and wanted to go to wcw but that'll be for time for another you know next time we talk about another pay-per-view which maybe the royal rumble 96 at some point or what have you so now we roll into triple h hunter hearst helmsley still in his greenwich connecticut gimmick Against Henry Godwin in a hog pen match. And it's awesome. It is. Hunter and Henry Godwin had fantastic matches together. They were so good together. Like, you know, throw the gimmicks out the window. Once the match started, those two tore it the fuck down. (laughs) And Hillbilly Jim was actually a pretty... I I was... Because I was supposed... We were supposed to be reviewing and observing the pay-per-view... I watched it more intently than I normally would have, and I wanted to observe Hillbilly Jim as a referee, you know, because a lot of times when there's special guest referees, they, like, get in the way. Yeah. Because they aren't... Hillbilly Jim actually did a good job as the referee in this match. Like, he didn't get in the way of the match. He didn't, you know, he didn't do too bad. And I obviously don't have it anymore, but I had a Wrestling World magazine when I was a kid, 
Everyone's <laughs> and I couldn't believe it when I saw it at the at the Read More bookstore or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what did it say? On the cover of this magazine, it said Hunter Hearst Helms or Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Godwin roll around in pig shit. <laughs> <laughs> on the cover of the magazine. Like, I've, I'll it, never forget it. it. It didn't have, like, SH star T or anything? No, it said, First <laughs> Elsie and Godwin roll around in pig shit. <laughs> I wish I still had the magazine. That's great. Yeah, maybe I'll try to find it for you on eBay. I'll, I would appreciate that. I'll, fi- I'll try to find it for you. I'll buy it. <laughs> But yeah, so overall, good match with these guys. The best part is on the WWE Network after uh, um, Triple H wins with the back with the back slop. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, Godwin picks him up and gives him the old Ultimate Warrior press slam, mm. and right when he press slams him, that generic hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's you know what's funny about I was when I was watching this pay per view I thought about it. Whenever you go through those '90s stuff that has the Godwins in it, and they they uh, record over the "Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy" with that, it always doesn't it always make the segments seem very insane. Yeah, because not only are they superimposing that music in, but they put in like crowd noise, it's and the then same. and then the commentators are yelling. Yeah, it's the same as the Yeah. Out of music in there. Yeah, it makes it makes it feel very like frenetic and insane. Insane. And then with the oddities, you got the camera going in and out, and that's what I'm saying. The oddities are fucking insane. You should have used that music. That was fucking insane. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of people shit on it and everything, but they were over with me. The oddities? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like when they were with Jackal and everybody's like, oh, they were creepy when they were with Jackal and that was cool and everything. Mm. But even when they were like partying and dancing around and shit, I liked it. They were like, they were like, they were like if you sprinkled the Attitude Era on the Bushwhackers. Yeah, it was just a little guilty pleasure. (laughs) And then people were like, oh, and then the bell rang. Who gives a shit? It was (laughs) Anything else on Triple H and the Hog Farmer? I just thought it was a really good brawl. Like you said, these guys always had good matches. and It was much better than his feud with Duke the Dumpster. (laughs) So the next match on the show is uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel against Owen Hart. Owen had um, taken out Shawn Michaels, given him a concussion, or, yeah, you know what I mean. They did the whole uh, Shawn Michaels may not re- ever wrestle again angle with Owen Hart. Owen Hart was fantastic in this angle, by the way, as he was in most everything else, but just at being a no-good, lousy piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I I, I knocked you out. <laughs> Shawn Michaels, I t- put you out of the business I did it on purpose. We did it on purpose. Complete accident. Yeah. Nothing he really even did. But... <laughs> Took a credit for it. Yeah. So uh, Shawn Michaels' buddy Diesel is going to get some revenge here for uh, for Shawn Michaels. And uh, I also put um, 
Because actually, Owen Hart wins the match by disqualification. Because Diesel, I believe he pushed down the referee. They probably say yeah. White. And uh, essentially the story of the match is Diesel had Owen beat. But because he pie-faced the referee, he got disqualified. And I have on my notes here, sec- second time I'd like to say this, this ring announcer is terrible. Because the guy goes, there's like this awkward pause. And the guy goes, the winner of the match, uh, Owen, ha- Owen Hart? <laughs> like it's like a question, like Owen yeah. Hart? <laughs> well, at the beginning of the show, I just thought of this. I just remembered this. It should have been, you should have known right away, like, like this isn't going to be good. Because when Razor wins, mm-hmm. like, he goes to do the introduction of the winner, and some shit, like, the chicanery happens with, like, with the kid. Right. So it stops, which is fine, because you shouldn't have the ring announcer yelling, you know, while the action's going on. Mm-hmm. But after it's all said and done, Razor's music hits. This guy goes... The winners of the match, Razor Ramon and his tag team partner, Marty Jannetty. <laughs> of course he won with his tag team partner, you fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> and they should have been like, fucking fuck it, get burnt out there or something. You know? Tony Chimmel's out there. Tony Chimmel's out there because he gets slapped in the hog pin match. Yeah. Let Tony Chimmel do it. I don't, nope. understand, I don't understand. My my thing is, where the fuck is Howard Finkel at? What is going on? I don't know. <laughs> they did go through that phase though, there where they were trying to replace him for some reason. Like they had that built that... Finkel, huh? There's no replacing Howard Finkel. No, they but had instead that... they bring out Art Donovan's kid. <laughs> and before him, they were using that Bill Dunn guy wasn't terrible. Yeah, the one that was at WrestleMania 10. Yeah, he wasn't awful. But yeah, at that time, why why are you even trying to replace Howard? I, thought, I didn't like his like smarmy face. <laughs> Bill, Bill Dunn? Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just looked like the guy that like they wouldn't think was the criminal on like <laughs> Like just the guy they meet at like the flower shop and then it turns out that's the way he was getting in. Yeah. And he got the role because <laughs> He got the role because he kind of, sort of, might, maybe look like John Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was an obscure reference, but... Yeah. <laughs> By the way, but... I like John Hurt. John Hurt's good at yeah. almost everything he's in. But anyway, <laughs> he doesn't get enough credit for being such a good actor. No, he doesn't. Then, uh... Um... I thought this match, it, it was what it was. Even though it was, you know, Kiesel was trying to get revenge on his... On Owen for Sean, it's still, I mean, and it was a good match because Owen Hart never had a bad match. But mm-hmm. it just, to me, on everything on this show, this seemed out of place. Yeah, it was. And um, so putting, her, putting a bow on that, now we have the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and Savio Vega. Savio Vega is out with uh, Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yes, because, you know, it's eight days from Christmas. Bring a little holiday spirit. One of my one of my favorite uh, underappreciated wrestlers of all time, Savio Vega. 
is out here, and now the Million Dollar Man is giving him the business. Yes. <laughs> I googled I googled to see if they celebrate Christmas in Puerto Rico. They do. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> they do. It's a very Catholic place. So they say they party hardy, though. Like, Christmas is awesome there. <laughs> like, they were like, Christmas starts way before December 25th. And I like, I was like, I want to see this. I think Savio Vega went into business for himself in this segment. Because I think that Savio Vega realized that a grown man saying he believed in Santa Claus would make that grown man look like a fucking idiot. But you can't say there's no Santa Claus in front of children. So he believes in the magic of yes. Santa Yes. Did you notice that, too? Like yeah. he, he kept saying, like, DiBiase would just be like, so you're saying he believe in Santa Claus. And Savio would be like, I believe in the magic of Santa Claus. I'm stupid. Savio Vega's like, I'm not going to go out there and look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I still <laughs> I believe in Santa Claus. I'm 34, and I still believe in Santa Claus. But, uh. I never understood why people call him Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah, people be like, you believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> it's Santa Claus. <laughs> fucking weeb. He's never been Santa Claus. <laughs> well, DBS. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so sound... When somebody says that, it makes it sound creepy. <laughs> DiBiase turns the tables on Savio because that's not Santa Claus. That's Balls Mahoney. <laughs> I was you, you ruined my joke earlier for later, but I'll I'll still say it because I like it. But yes, it is it is uh, <clears throat> Balls Mahoney. At the time, I think he was uh, what Boo Bradley in Smoky Mountain. Yeah, but he is Santa Claus. My biggest question about the Santa Claus character. I mean, it's the WWF, it's the 90s, we've had wrestling clowns, we've had midgets, all this stuff, whatever. It's the WWF, you just accept that there's goofy gimmicks. Now, my biggest issue with the Santa Claus gimmick is, doesn't that gimmick only work like one month a year? Are you really going to have Santa Claus in April? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, who thought? Like, there was no forward thinking about this, and at all. Like, Santa Claus is not. You know, Santa Claus shouldn't be around Easter. <laughs> you know what I mean? They could have just kept evolving him, <laughs> make him an Easter bunny kind of character. Yeah, like now he's just like an evil bunny. <laughs> and at Halloween time, he's Jack O'Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth of July, he's Uncle Slam. <laughs> But yeah, my joke was, and then as DiBiase and Santa Claus leave the ring, the crowd chants, balls, 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 balls. <laughs> Which this segment was, balls. Pretty stupid. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't know. The, I mean, just I understand. two unnecessary segments on this. <laughs> and now we get to a match that is pretty bad. I, in all honesty, I skipped this match. <laughs> it is The Undertaker versus King Mabel. My my uh, note here, other than the match being bad, there isn't a lot to say about it. So my notes are the match was bad and Mabel looks cheap. Like when he grew his, like his mohawk really big and stuff before he left, he just really started looking like, awful like he looked very cheap he looked like an indie guy or something and uh i mean that was my thought on it anyway 
Nah, he sucked. Match is bad. Taker wins. It's over. So now we come to one of the best WWF championship matches in history. You have in this pay-per-view. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Oh, go ahead. You cannot discount what Jim Cornette does before this match. Okay. I mean, are you talking about running down the story? Yeah, the entire history of. Oh, yeah, it's a great promo. Like, talking about how Brett, like, Davey's, like, basically saying, like, Stu likes Davey better than Brett and just everything. And, Mm -hmm. And he took your dad's love from you. He took your sister from you. He took this. He took that. He took your fans. And now he's going to take your, took the Intercontinental title. He's going to take your WWF title. It's great. Telling a story. <clears throat> um, I, I don't know if you agree with that statement I made, but this is one of my favorite WWF championship matches ever. Oh yeah, it's great. And, um, the, the, the thing that I wrote down here about the match, we'll talk more extensively about everything, but um, in this era with Brett Diesel and Shawn Michaels as champions, Bulldog was always a, a go-to heel challenger for these babyface champions. And one of the, to me, one of the biggest miscarriages of this era was that the Bulldog never got a run with the belt. Because I think he would have been a great heel champion. He always had good matches with all these guys. And at some point, I really do think that he, more than, more than even, say, Vader, I would have liked to see Davy Boy get at least maybe a couple of months reign with the title. Like, maybe between, like, SummerSlam and Survivor Series or something. Yeah. And, you know, because, I, I mean, the, the, camp, well, the entire Camp Cornette was over with me, but... You go back and you watch this stuff from 95 and 96 and watch Davy Boy against the champions at the time. And he was on par with, you know, Piper or Orndorff or somebody challenging Hogan. He was he was neck and neck with the champ. And I think it would have been, you know, say like that King of the Ring where they had the disputed finish. Or I think it was the pay-per-view before the King of the Ring where they had the disputed finish between him and Sean. You know, give Davy the title. Let him run with yeah. it till SummerSlam or whatever, but... Anyway, uh, the match itself is fantastic. It put good build, and um, I put on there too on my notes here that um, heel bulldog, like this heel bulldog, is my favorite bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like this bulldog even better than I like bulldog when he was in the Heart Foundation. Right. You know, like yeah, like this is the my favorite one because then he goes into my favorite tag team of all time. Which is Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Just mm-hmm. my—they're the best. But uh, in this match, like, and I was just wondering what you think because uh, a lot of people knock it. Like people knock Randy, like not knock Randy Savage, but they—they they go, "Oh, Randy Savage had to plan out everything in his matches," and and Brett wasn't as bad from what I understand, but Brett was big on you know, let's have a plan. Let's have a plan on what you're gonna do, and I don't see any wrong. I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-mm. Now, now what I do see wrong with is, hey, let's have a plan, but then these guys now, not knowing what to do if the plan doesn't work. Right. And my big yeah, that's the thing. Being able to improvise, like my biggest thing with WWE nowadays isn't. I, 
it's fine with me if they want to rehearse the match for two weeks in the performance center before it happens, because I'm going to get a great, crisp, awesome match. And that's the thing that I always say about the modern product is bell to bell. That's why I like WWE pay-per-views now. I like watching pay-per-views better than I like watching the television shows, because when I watch the pay-per-view, I know for a fact I'm going to get a good wrestling show. The matches are going to be amazing. The biggest problem that I have now is the, the, the promos are scripted. That's everybody speaks with the same voice. I agree. But like, that's my thing with the matches too, though. Like if, if the crowd doesn't start reacting like they want them to, they still keep going through what they're doing mm-hmm. because they got, they don't know how to not. Right. You know what I mean? But like a Shawn Michaels or a Brad Hart or a Ric Flair or, a Davey uh, Boy Smith. A Davey Boy Smith. Or even when he got into, like, you know, the Attitude Era, as, as Steve Austin. They, they could, if the crowd was like, ah, they're not really reacting to me the way they should, you know, well, I'm either going to start healing it or I'm going to do something different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now they just go through it. Like, like, yeah. But yeah. go ahead. I didn't mean to get off on a... Whatever. I didn't really have anything else to say about this other than I definitely recommend anybody that has never seen this match to go back and watch it. Well, Brett Giggs, the gusher in this match, I think he probably bled more than what he thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett hits a pile driver on Dynam- on Davy Boy that's amazing, and Davy sells it the most, like one of the most believable ways I've ever seen a pile driver sold before. He <laughs> just crumbles. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um I think the reason they used Diana so much was because she was the only heart sister that didn't look like a dude. <laughs> yeah, she, um, looked, she looked like her mom and not like Stu. Yeah, yeah, all that was like <laughs> Stu. <laughs> Beef Stu. What's that one? Is it Nightheart's wife you call Lady Brett? <laughs> Lady Brett. She looks just like him and talks just like him. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she's a nice lady, but... Um, what else do I have on here? Oh, there's a spot where um, Davey's going to um, power slam Brett on the concrete. Mm-hmm. And then Brett reverses it, and then he crotches Davey on the guardrail. And then, um, basically, it's Pat starts like yelling at Bulldog, like, it's all over for you. <laughs> It's all over for you. <laughs> I said it's Pat because I did not know if that was like a dude or like a lady. So I was like, man, it's Pat is like Bret Hart's biggest in <laughs> Pennsylvania. And she was all in Davy's face. <laughs> and then um, the last question I have in this match or kind of about this match is, Last week we were talking about, you know, better outside the WWE. Mm-hmm. Or what do you prefer? NWA or WWF Jim Cornette? It's tough. I I know what my answer is, but I was just curious what you I prefer I prefer, I guess I prefer NWA Jim Cornette. I do as well. And it, yeah. 
And, and and the thing is, I am a the funny thing about it is I'm a bigger fan of the talent that he managed in the WWF. But I'm a bigger fan of his promos and stuff in the NWA, I think because maybe he was allowed I don't know. I he would he he seemed like he was allowed to be more expressive there, I guess, without, yeah. you know, but like I'm a bigger fan of Owen Davy and Vader than I am of the and I'm not hating on the Midnight Express, but I'm a bigger fan of Owen Davy and Vader than I am the Midnight Express. Yeah. So but yeah, I was yeah, so I say I'll say Cornette NWA just because of his promos there, but I liked his stable in WWF better. I y- agree with that. Yoko, Davy, Owen, yeah. Well, it was fun watching the Midnight Express and Big Bubba come out and all that shit. That was fun stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, and then uh, on the paper or on the uh, network, they do have the uh, the In Your House extra on there, where they under interview the Undertaker that he's going to get a shot at the uh, WWF title at the Royal Rumble. Diesel comes in and makes a stink, and the funniest thing about it is uh, Paul Bearer says, Big Daddy Cool, lately you haven't been very cool. <laughs> like, Paul Bearer shouldn't be just talking like a dude. <laughs> it's like, when did you become Vader yelling at Ricky Steamboat? And then, and then uh, Undertaker says something that doesn't make any sense, but it's okay because he's Undertaker. He's like, if it's got to be... Then it has to be. <laughs> it's like, that really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and if somebody else said it, we'd be making fun of them. <laughs> but since he's the, is. since he's the Undertaker. He is. It's like, why are Taker and Pear, Bear getting all jive and shit? <laughs> if somebody else would have said, if somebody like, you know, Tommy Rich <laughs> or some hillbilly would have been like, if it has to be, it's got to be. We'd be making fun of it to this day. But since Undertaker said it in his Undertaker voice, he gets a pass. <laughs> they're like, why are you? Like, Undertaker's like, look in here, listen here, job turkey. <laughs> if it's got to be, it has to be. It's to be. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's it, unless you have anything else. Nope. Like I said in my notes here, it says uh, the ring announcer was trash. The crowd was hot. It was a decent card. And I kind of wish they'd go back to this type of concept. And the main event was killer. Yes. So with that, this this one hour and 35 minute or whatever show. Yeah, it's like the perfect. <laughs> was more entertaining to me than one of the eight hour WrestleManias we've seen in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But by the end of a day... I remembered that Razor Ramon and Mario Gennetti beat the one, two, three kid and Sid at the end of this show. There's been WrestleManias where I forgot matches happened on it. <laughs> and it's not because, like, you know, I'm hammered or whatever at the end of it. It's just because it's like, I forgot that happened. Because this fucking show has been on <laughs> since lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, they, they start wrestling now before anybody's even in the arena, you know? Like, they just send a match out. There's four guys in the fucking crowd so far. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back when we come back. 
we'll play gimmick versus gimmick. And uh, I'm interested to see what you have to say about these. And I have my opinions as well. And we'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. wrestling fans welcome back to the we can't wrestle podcast and uh just a reminder you can listen to this podcast no matter what you're listening to it now on you can listen to it on any podcast app whether it be podcast addict podbean stitcher uh, itunes or google play wherever you want to listen to the podcast please and like and share our facebook page we do enjoy um we do appreciate i should say your support in listening to the show and also, please give to the GoFundMe of pro wrestler Jerry Gray as he is battling stage four cancer and fuck Jake Roberts. So now, the next segment of the show we're going to try out this time, see how it goes. Gimmick versus gimmick. I have picked five wrestlers who had more than one gimmick, and we are going to discuss those two gimmicks which one was the better of the two? And I will start with a guy that we, Aaron and I are both big marks for. And that is, Aaron, hmm. do you prefer 80s babyface big boss man or late 90s, early 2000s heel big boss man? It's just, uh, just. What's your favorite boss man? <laughs> well, heel boss man. The, uh, the the Vince McMahon bodyguard big boss man. The, the. I'm gonna Paul ground White, your Paul dog White, and Paul White, you. Paul White, your daddy's dead boss man. Yeah, draw, dry, ground your dog up and feed it to you. Son I of have, a bitch! Big I boss have absolutely, I have absolutely no. <laughs> Redeeming qualities about me, Big Boss Man. Yes. That's my favorite one. Me too. That character is like, if you watch the history of wrestling, not only is that character probably one of the top ten heels ever, but he's also like a pleasant surprise. Like, did you see that coming? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, he was a cool heel with the Twin Towers and Slick and challenging Hogan for the title and everything, but... And then he went to the babyface boss man, which is cool enough. I was a boss man, Mark, when I was a kid. But that late 90s, early 2000s boss man is amazing. He was never going to be the champ. He was never going to be, you know, the main event of WrestleMania. But he was a bastard. and A great heel. Everything he did was great. <laughs> because everything he did was just pure shit. That- like, you know what I mean? Like, not shit. Like, he was just a, like... His character didn't try to, like, be anything but a smarmy piece of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, uh... What do I say? He is... He is... That character is probably my favorite shit heel character ever. 
Like, just lousy, no good piece of shit heel. <sighs> the big boss man. Yes. So, yeah, that one won with both of us. So, the next one I'll present to you, unless you have anything else on the boss man. Oh, go ahead. Do you prefer Papa Shango or The Godfather? The Godfather. See, I really like Papa Shango. I like Papa Shango too, but The Godfather is fun as hell. <laughs> he is, he is. Um, Like, with, with me, with Papa Shango, yeah, WWE did some crazy cartoony shit with that character and everything. But it's one, I think it's one of the coolest, like, of those, I guess I want to say dark heels that they ever had. Um, And I don't know that the character would have worked with anybody else playing the character because Charles Wright is a big, imposing man. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just, he's very big and with that makeup and and the outfit and some of those vignettes they did with him in like the smoky room. And yeah, like I said, it's all cartoony and it's all goofy, but I, I think that, I think that that character, I actually prefer Papa Shango over the Godfather, although I am very entertained by the Godfather. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know the, the, the Papa Shango character, I guess has more, has more, Staying power with me than the Godfather, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but I prefer Papa Shango. I prefer Big Papa Godfather. I mean, the guy, the Godfather is awesome. Like <laughs> Charles Wright was never gonna be, you know, Bret the Hitman Hart, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter when he was the Godfather at all. Like I never remember going, oh man. Damn shit, the Godfather's coming out. <laughs> I don't want to see that. And he even did... when he had like, even when he had like, not so appealing to the eyes hose, you know? <laughs> I didn't care just because the guy was entertaining and he was funny. And and during the Attitude Era, he probably got the third biggest pops. Right, yeah. by, right behind Austin and uh, The Rock. You know, when that <laughs> bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna see this big guy come out and dance, and he's gonna have some hoes with him, and it's entertaining, and yeah, it's also got one of my favorite, like, a a commentator explaining something. <laughs> it's Michael Cole when when Godfather is feuding with Viscera and Midian, mm-hmm. and Viscera fights the Godfather, and if he wins, he's gonna take uh, Viscera gets to take the hose. Or whatever, mm-hmm. and Viscera wins, and like the next, like there's a couple weeks where they're feuding, and then <clears throat> they're gonna have another match on Raw, and Viscera comes out, and he's got the hose with him, and like now he's got like skank, like really skanky looking hose or whatever, <laughs> and Michael Cole is like, the Godfather, the Godfather treats his hose with respect, King. Viscera doesn't. This is a very mean, very mean pimp. <laughs> and like saying, like Godfather's a nice pimp. He treats his hoes with respect, <laughs> not the viscera. Viscera is a mean pimp. This cracks me up because Michael Cole's like, 
super white explaining this. <laughs> explaining the pimping culture. <laughs> yeah, the pimping culture. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. But what's next? The next one I have is Do you prefer Demolition Smash or the Repo Man? Uh, like if Smash was like by himself? No. It's like two different things. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, you gotta take it in context. Like, because I enjoy the Repo Man, but I'm a bigger fan of Demolition, so I guess I would say I was a bigger fan of Demolition Smash. You know? Well, but if you tell me if you go there and you tell me that Demolition Smash is going to be in singles action, I'd rather watch the Repo Man. Like if Barry Darso is going to be wrestling singles, I'd rather watch him wrestle singles as the Repo Man. So then, how about I do this? Do you prefer him as Crusher Khrushchev or the Repo Man? Repo Man. Repo Man was fun. Yeah. <clears throat> it's one of those gimmicks. It's another one that gets like panned. You know, like panned by, panned by your uh, <clears throat> hoity-toity. I, I don't know. My wrestling in two hundred seat smoky arenas is better than your wrestling that was actually successful yeah. on, on NBC. Yeah, well, that Tuesday in Texas, he teams with the Million Dollar Man, and I don't know why, but I'm like that should have been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, More often. Yeah, like Dollar Man, I don't know, is having Repo Man repo people's shit or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or do they do that, even that fun little thing, they do like a two-week angle where he steals Macho Man's hat. Yeah, like, okay, kind of ridiculous. It, well, it was, sure, it was stupid, but it was fun. It was funny. Yeah. Like, they're having this feud over this stupid hat. <laughs> yeah. Give me my it's hat back, stuff. man. <laughs> I, like, I like this music. Yeah. <laughs> and the promos, like working the puns into promos, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Repo Man was fun. Yeah. Like I said, Million Dollar Man and Repo Man should have been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, like he just, like, I don't know. And he's not, like, not even paying Repo Man a lot of money. (laughs) Repo Man enjoys it. (laughs) Yeah, he gets to steal shit and pay you 50 bucks. Maybe even sometimes DiBiase doesn't even keep the shit he steals. You know what I mean? Like, he just lets Repo Man keep it. (laughs) Just because DiBiase wants to take shit from him. Give that card to Virgil. Yeah. Virgil's, Virgil's smiling. Yeah, but yeah. Well, at that time, it he broke up with Virgil, but yeah, oh yeah, because they fight El Matador and Virgil, right? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I was reading an old card that somebody posted on Facebook. Mm-hmm. The main event was was Virgil versus Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and in and beef in a. Uh, in uh, Virgil's corner was Beatrice, the cheese, the the beautician cheesecake, uh, which I can only assume was Brutus Beefcake and Drag. God, <laughs> who else would it be? It's gotta be. Yeah, it was 
Beatrice, the beautician cheesecake. Because <laughs> it was it was when he was hurt and what do that could and and like you know people say Vince is a horrible man, but he kept Beefcake employed the whole time Beefcake was hurt, mm-hmm. and he did things like Beatrice make him rock face and and that didn't work so like, let's try him as Beatrice the beautician cheesecake and put him in drag work for Miss Atlanta Lively and no it didn't <laughs> like I don't know what I put something like somebody posted something on Facebook too on a wrestling page and it was like the thing from Japan with like a guy hitting another guy with like a bicycle and all this other stuff and it wasn't like the cool bicycle, like like Saturday night. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and people were knocking it, and the guy was like, you know, some people are entertained by this. I was like, and you know, some people watch furry porn, but that doesn't make it a right. <laughs> You're still gross. <laughs> Got a bicycle. Got a bicycle. <laughs> but go ahead. Next. Next is do you prefer the one man gang or Akeem? Akeem. <laughs> Hands down, no thought, right? No Didn't thought. even have to think about it. <clears throat> Why is that? It's more entertaining. I agree with you. I'm not I'm not contesting it. I I, I do like the one man gang gimmick. I think that the one man gang gimmick though. Um, was done best in mid south. Um, in it, it, I'm watching right now World Class Championship Wrestling, and he's in World Class Championship Wrestling at 85. And the big problem with it is that I have with the way they booked the one man gang character is okay. Yeah, he beats jobbers, but he he never ever gets the advantage over the Von Erichs. That's that's one of the biggest problems with world class is that the Von Erics were always in the main event and they never fucking lost. Yeah. But anyway, um, the gimmick was done very well by Bill Watts in the Mid-South area, but I would say overall I agree with you. I think Akeem, um, although, you know, does it age well from yes. a, from a, from a racial standpoint? How's it racist? Because there's white people in Africa. <clears throat> yeah, but that gimmick's kind of a fine line of like, and I'm not saying I didn't think it was entertaining, but I can see where some people think that the way that he portrayed his gimmick and the way he talked and the way he acted and the way he did the little walk and everything was a stereotype of African Americans. Okay, so is Dusty Rhodes a racist gimmick? No, because Dusty Rhodes is 70s black. Mike Tyson said it. <laughs> but I'm just saying. So is the African <clears throat> Dream. Akeem. He was Jive. Have you ever seen the sketch where he becomes the African Dream Akeem? Yeah. I I don't know. Dusty Rhodes is Dusty Rhodes. Akeem is again, not that it wasn't entertaining, 
but I think that you could, you could, with sensitive ears and sensitive eyes, look at it. Like I don't think it would. How, how about this? I don't think it could go over today. I don't think you could do that today and not say that it's or not have people say that it is. It is a, a some some form of bigotry. Although it is fun, I'm not hating on it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You can't fly a kite <laughs> nowadays without somebody going, that's racist. <laughs> that goes against my beliefs. And I think or, I think George Gray had a lot. You could tell that he had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, you could tell that him and Slick, I don't know if you've ever listened to a shoot interview with Slick. But uh, him and Slick are very tight. Like they're good buddies. He really, yeah. they really like each other. Slick, <laughs> Slick says Ray Trailer was a racist motherfucker. <laughs> like he, he didn't, he didn't. Him and Boss Man didn't really get along. But um, you could tell that Slick. I never heard that. Yeah, you could tell that Slick and uh, and Akeem really liked each other, really liked working together. So, And there's the chemistry. You know what I mean? That's why they had such good chemistry, because they really they enjoyed working together. But yeah, Slick says that uh, he's he was not a fan of Ray Trailer as, as a dude. So That might be the only person that I've ever heard say that. Yeah. Okay, shut up. But uh, like I said, I don't, I don't think it was... I don't either. I, I don't either. I was just playing devil's advocate to see what kind of discussion came up there. I, I don't th- I just don't th- I don't think you could do it today. I don't know if you disagree with me on that. I just don't think you could well, do it. Probably not, but there's a lot of things you couldn't do today. Yeah. You All right. Have, you couldn't have like I don't know. You just couldn't do you couldn't do like a character like the Iron Sheik. You probably couldn't even do Kamala today. Couldn't do Kamala. Couldn't do any of it. Any of it. So now we move on to the last one I've got here. We'll make the main event a guy that made sure that he was in the main event. Do you prefer Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hogan? Hulk Hogan. Babyface Hulk Hogan? Yeah. See, I disagree. My favorite Hulk Hogan is heel Hollywood Hogan. He is an awesome heel. I think he's an awesome he heel. He exudes but... heel. Like, he's so self-centered. And he, the greatest thing about the Hollywood Hogan gimmick that I think, and somebody may, I'm not, I'm not going to say goes unnoticed. Maybe it is absolutely noticed. But Hollywood Hogan, he, <clears throat> he never accomplished that heel character. Never accomplished anything. Anything on his own. Yeah. And he never beat anybody either. Like, <laughs> people say all this all the time that Hogan never gave. That when he was a heel, he was the perfect heel. He never fucking won. Like, flat out won. Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd escape with his title or whatever. But he was he always got his ass kicked. And was, until his gang but, showed up. But his character is linked like some of my least favorite like wrestling moments ever (laughs) 
<clears throat> like there's not really any in the WWF where I'm like, uh, I didn't enjoy that Hogan angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe like the last time with Yoko, where the camera thing was kind of hokey or whatever. But there wasn't anything I really disliked about Hogan in the WWF. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like in WCW, that Hollywood Hogan character is linked to like Jay Leno <laughs> and anything involving Dennis Rodman and Warrior and the Ultimate Warrior and um. What else is that fucking piece of shit? No, that's a fucking piece of shit. Like, what other, like, piece of shit is this guy, like, linked to that you're just like, ugh, this is utter garbage. <laughs> and, and like, his character would, like, talk about people, like, I don't know. There, after a while, that, that it, Hogan's character became, like, Hogan bringing in his buddies, and it wasn't like him his character stroking the ego and getting these people out. It, it became like Hulk Hogan was like just bringing his buddies onto the show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not in a good way. It was just horror. Like, like, like I'm driving in Malimo with Chuck Zito, baby. It's like, nobody even knows who the fuck Chuck Zito is. <laughs> nobody cares. And, I don't know. He just it, that character is just tied to some of the worst shit that happened in '90s wrestling. It's tied to some really good stuff too. Don't get me wrong, but it's tied to some really, really shitty stuff. I enjoy I, I enjoy heel Hogan. Um, I think better than Babyface Hogan. Both of them are very formulaic, and I see like, what. The Hollywood character got really bad when they split it. Yes. And and yes. before I agree with went, that. Before he even went to Wolfpack, which he wasn't very good when he was in Wolfpack either. But once they split it and Hogan had to be out there and wasn't like with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, he just looked like an old guy trying to be cool and it wasn't it wasn't good. If they would have portrayed him as an old guy trying to be cool, it might have not been that bad, but they were still trying to portray him that he was just hip. Right. And it's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> you got a bad hip. <laughs> really a bad hip. Leathery skin. You look like something the Macho Man would snap into. <laughs> but, but I, I just, like I said, I never was not entered. And I know I was a kid. But even now, when I watch it, I don't have a problem with the fact that Hulk Hogan's not out there having five star matches. No, no, I never did. I always that's that's one of those things that I always chalk up to the. Um, I don't want to see Hulk Hogan have five star matches. Right, that's not the point of his gimmick. Yeah, you get your five star match out of Randy Savage and let Hulk Hogan have his main event with Earthquake. Yeah, and it's no, always yeah, fun. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. That's I I. <clears throat> pretentious pretentious wrestling fans that come down on that all i ever point to that with that is okay let's compare money you know because i also love the fuck out of watching rick flair wrestle ricky steamboat but i promise you that rick flair and ricky steamboat didn't make the kind of money hulk hogan and john tenta did together yeah you know what i mean and i'm not hating i'm just saying like these guys are like it was garbage well apparently a lot of people didn't think it was garbage (laughs) because they made really good money together yeah 
So, you know. And if you don't like John Tenta, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Like, that dude was great for as big as he is. And, yeah. 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 You ever seen the fucking video clip of John Tenta drop kicking hop? Yes. <laughs> and then, like, yes. Hawk blows back. <laughs> yes. Because like, John Tenta has had it with him. Yeah. Like, if you watch the whole, if you watch the whole match, like the the clip is funny, like the thirty second clip. But if you ever watch the whole match, like Hawks like potatoing him and shit, and bit, and Earthquake's just fucking had it. <laughs> He's like, you know what, motherfucker, I've had enough. I am four hundred and fifty pounds, and I'm about to drop kick your ass. <laughs> good luck. And, and it's winning. <laughs> good it's luck. Win- and it's before he got to like, as far as I can tell, it's before he got. Was it before he? Well, it wasn't before he got to the WWF, was it? No, it was when they were doing that cross promotion with uh, WWF and SWS. It's just because, like, he's not in, like his earthquake stuff or whatever. Yeah, you know. So he looks like a guy that would just be like your like uh like you'd see him on PBS <laughs> doing some art. Like he's got like that that haircut, you know. Mm-hmm. You know that's the style of haircut I'm talking about. Yes, they're losing it on the top, but it's kind of like bobbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he just he's like fuck Hawk. Like, <laughs> he just lets he lets Hawk know he's still there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still here, buddy. You may be jet built like a shit brick house, but I'll fuck you up. And like that's the other like that shit when he backs down that sumo guy in Japan. Yep. And like like Tentus had enough of that shit. It's like that dude was fucking badass. <laughs> you man. motherfucker. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I got mad props for John Tenta. Yeah, I like John Tenta as well. Badass motherfucker. And when you're little, you didn't think about it, you know. And then the older you get, you think, ah, oh, he's just he's just a fat guy, you know. Yeah. I liked him, but he's just a fat guy. But then you like see his shit from Japan, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit! Well, and and John Tenta could take care of himself, and he never. Other than that kind of a situation where somebody's being an asshole. He also never took liberties. He yeah. always he always put his opponent over. Like yeah, absolutely a pro. Yeah. Well, that's that. <laughs> unless okay. you unless you have anything else for the listeners. Nope. Good. So I think we'll uh, we'll probably come up with uh, some more uh, additional topics to talk about on the show next week. But the the Main topic that I want to do is next week we will do a top 10. And why don't we do our top 10? We'll start we'll start with this decade cuz neither one of us was alive in the 70s. So your top 10 wrestlers of the 80s. Personal top 10 wrestlers of the 80s. I thought you said wrestlers in their 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Top 10 wrestlers of the 1980s. Like, if you're just taking that decade and and isolating it, the top 10 best, your personal favorites from that decade, um, whether they bled into the 90s or whatever, you know, just what in, but isolating that decade by itself, your top 10 favorites. Other than that, we will uh, take this opportunity to sign off. Thank all of you for listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I did not. Oh, bad me. Bad me. 
I did not cue up the outro music. I did not cue up Mr. Jolson. Add it in. I could. That could happen. So anyway, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Like I said, next week we'll have the uh, our personal top ten favorite wrestlers of the 1980s. And um, other than that, we will sign off right now. And we thank you for joining us. And don't forget to join us next week for more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast.